You are Locked On AFL, your daily AFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On AFL. I'm your host, Kane Pittman. Particularly with a pathetic effort from Pitt. I mean, it was the most disgraceful display I've ever seen from a big film. That's pretty hard on an individual, but he's going to have to live with that. And alongside me, as always, is Josh Lloyd. Lloyd is Lloyd. Lloyd to Lloyd. 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 Kane, I'm definitely not alone in uh, hoping that, uh, that your season comes to an end pretty quickly. <laughs> okay, first of all, that's very hard. I, I don't know. You know, I, I supported you. After the Bulldogs lost, I thought I was pretty kind to you on the Monday. You had a couple of days to cool down, but, but that's just cruel. And to be honest, I, I feel like you treat me like Tom Lynch. Yeah, well, uh, you're maybe not as big of a, uh, quote, wanker as what Tom Lynch may be. But, uh, yeah, well, I get the feedback sometimes. Well, you are referring to, of course... Hamish Hartlett, this was this morning on SEN. This is, Hamish Hartlett had this to say. Uh, actually, I, I think this was actually on uh, 5AA. Who knows? It was on radio somewhere. Hamish Hartlett said, he obviously, this is regarding Tom Lynch, he obviously gets caught up in the emotions of the game probably a bit more frequently than others do. I guess others are able to control their instincts and reactions perhaps on, and perhaps on their emotions a little bit better than what Tom does. I think there'd be plenty of people out there who would like to see his season come to an end. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty interesting. I don't think you normally hear honesty like that prior to a final, do you? No, nah, not really. You don't hear it like that. And then he's. Uh, then he's just. I think maybe some of that is uh, as he adds on. Yeah, that was my poor mate Dougal as well. So I wasn't really happy with that one. You're talking about the the knee into the neck slash shoulder collarbone area uh, mm-hmm. last week against St Kilda, but. Uh, not not the first player to speak out on Tom Lynch, and when multiple players are speaking up publicly on this bloke, the uh, the reputation mustn't be great. Not around the league. It, it is funny, though, and this is obviously the case. Everyone says this, but people that do know Tom Lynch and even some of the people that I know spoke about him from the Gold Coast say that he's just generally a, a lovely guy. But we, we all know there's some players that... Once they step on the field, they're completely different. But we've said it all year. I mean, the, the thing with Tom Lynch and the reason why it's so annoying to look at and so frustrating to see is because he's not actually doing anything that's really going to hurt anyone. He's just doing stupid uh, acts uh, a lot of the times while players uh, are defenseless. And, then, and that's why it comes across as, I guess, weak or soft or whatever you want to put it and why players would start to get pretty frustrated about it. Let me ask you this, though, because... I think, I mean, I, I just, when we spoke about Richmond Port Adelaide yesterday in detail a little bit more, if you missed that episode, you can go back and catch that. But I am so excited for this game tonight because I think it's going to be, again, I think it's going to be the game of the year. But I, I will say that I think it's going to be, the aggression is going to be up. I, I think it's going to be emotional. I think these teams are going to be into each other when they played each other early in the season. It was, I, I think, probably the best game of the home and away season. Uh, the the pressure was absolutely through the roof but it does remind me when i see stuff like that a little bit just a little bit of gws and the bulldogs earlier this year where there was so much built up about it and then the gws were the team that just completely lost their focus by going too hard so all the talk all week has been well are richmond going to be disciplined are they going to do this but richmond's been there before i think they're capable of controlling their emotions and not getting carried away I'm a little bit interested to see whether Port Adelaide 
get a little bit distracted and a little bit too focused and a little bit too fired up with their crowd with being physical with Richmond. Look, there is a, a real interesting way that it could swing really far in their favor with that emotion, or it could unravel really quickly. You don't feel like it's going to be a neutral first term, that things mm. could uh, really blow up against them yeah, in a negative way, or could you know, they could pile on six quick ones and, and really use that energy and the, the, the emotions that they've got there uh, to, to put it to Richmond early on. We were going to cover all this Richmond game in segment two of today's show, but I think we'll just get straight into it now. Uh, we were talking in the last couple of days about if there's going to be any changes to these teams. Um, there's, there's not. They both go in uh, unchanged. And they the the Port team did not make that move up forward. They they kept Todd Marshall, so obviously his shoulder is fine. And both teams go in unchanged. Port from two weeks ago and Richmond from against Brisbane. We sort of expected that from uh, from Richmond. Now you are the uh, the late change whisperer. Do you see any uh, any sneaky moves being chucked in? Well, I actually, and it's quite possible I could be just completely making this up, but I, I thought I did see during the week that there is potentially some showers going to be around for this game in Adelaide as well. So with that in mind, I don't think it made uh, a huge, it wasn't a huge shock to me that they didn't go with Chull and they've just gone with the one Ruckman in Nankervis. Clearly, if you're Richmond, the concern is that if Nankovis goes down with an injury early, then sure, you're going to be in a, a little bit of trouble. I know last week, basically, they went with Dustin Martin as the Ruckman in the forward 50. Uh, Nathan Broad can do some stuff around the ground, and they figure it out uh, that way, and they can get away with that, and it's it's totally fine. They, they'll be able to withstand that barring an injury, but I, I don't think that you could pick a guy like Chol just based on the fact that what happens if Nankovis gets injured. I don't think that's really something you can you can go down the path of following. Yeah, you just have to try and figure out a justice center and clearance uh, structures to you know be reading the the set and uh, Laddams taps and try and negate Port that way. You're gonna look in general these teams matching up. Port's gonna win the clearances majority of the time anyway, and maybe just yeah. having another midfielder around the ground instead of Nankervis, if that was to happen, might actually work in your favor because in general you are gonna lose those clearances. So just you know, work on your defensive structures and trying to limit the impact of those clearances more than trying to get them. If that situation actually comes to rise, which we don't necessarily know that it will, and it most likely won't, because you know you can't really go into a game predicting injury for somebody. So everyone's spoken about this. It's been out in the news uh, all week long, but the players for Richmond that didn't play in that game earlier in the season, Basha Hooley, Dion Prestia, Jack Graham, Shane Edwards, Trent Cochin, Toby Nankervis, David Asprey. So clearly some premiership stars are going to be in this team that weren't there beforehand. Uh, Port Adelaide overran the Tigers in the fourth quarter, but Richmond were leading through three, despite the fact that they were really dominated, as you pointed to, around the clearances. So the fascinating part of this game is Richmond... 18th in the AFL for clearances per game, Port Adelaide first. So you literally got the best clearance team in the AFL against the worst, and that that suits Port because they've strangled teams when they've been able to get the clearance and then lock it in their forward half. So while I mentioned yesterday that the Tigers might be able to get some easy goals out the back, and that's why a guy like Jack Rewald has had success against Port Adelaide because Rewald, he, he likes getting easy goals. He does. It's a fact. So it, uh, the question for me will be, can Richmond actually neutralize the clearances a little bit because if they can i think richmond can win this one comfortably if port adelaide dominate the clearances as they did last time that's where things are going to get interesting 
Yeah, it, it is. It is a super interesting game, of course. Yeah, tonight we're uh, we're, we're back into into footy mode, and I, I just can't wait to see how this is going to pan out. Because it's either going to be the number one team in the league all season, who came from outside the finals, getting into the grand final, or the best team in the last four years. Again, you know, pushing themselves in with that chance to win their third premiership in four years. So whoever it is, it's a pretty good story either way. And the matchup and the disparity in styles makes it intriguing from a coaching perspective and from a game plan perspective and who can get that ascendancy and who has to try and change and, and how do how do those two things yeah, work against each other. So I am super pumped to watch this one, but we did talk about it quite a bit yesterday. We're going to talk about Brisbane Geelong later on in the show. But before we do that, let's just hit on a little bit of news across the league. And Kane, you, would, you wouldn't believe it, but there's more news on Adam Trelaw. <laughs> Because another another tweet, another or another tweet, a another comment from uh, Stevo on uh, on radio today. He says, "My mail is that it is only an outside chance that Adam Trelaw will be at Collingwood next year. This situation is ridiculous." Well, uh, again, we can only take it on face value. And if Adam Trelaw on AFL three hundred and sixty was at all hesitant in his delivery with responding to the questions from uh, Robbo and Jared regarding his future, I would say, okay, yeah, I think there's something in this. But not only did he respond sharply, but he was kind of pissed off. So my feeling is if Adam Trelaw isn't at Collingwood next year, then that is probably not his own choice. And this is Collingwood that are making a, a conscious decision to say, okay, Adam Chalor is a highly paid player. He's a very good player, but he's also had a lot of soft tissue injuries. We need money. We need cap space for different scenarios. Maybe we should trade him up to Queensland. That's the only thing I can think of because when I when I look at the way that he responded, that didn't seem like something that was manufactured to me. It is it's absolutely wild how hard these reporters are going on on this Trelaw stuff when he is categorically denying it. So someone's going to look stupid in the end at the end of this. Um, but it's just constantly every day there's something from somebody saying, "Well, I'm hearing that he's not going to be there. I'm hearing there's still a chance." I mean, like, nobody is ruling it out apart from the player himself, and it's just weird to see those two things at odds with each other. But um, I, want, I want to talk about something here because. The AFL. <laughs> I'm laughing already because uh, when you say you want to talk about something, I, I just I get the feeling you're going to get a little fired up here. What's wrong with this league? Like, well, I, I don't know. I, 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 what is wrong with the decisions? So, like priority picks, I'm not a fan of them. Gold Coast got the extra pick last year, pick one. Matty Rail, Noah Anderson worked out pretty bloody well. They got a, a pick in the middle of the first round this year, which they traded to your blokes. The Cats have now got that pick as a priority selection. And to be to be honest with you, the trade that they made to get rid of that pick was an absolutely ludicrous trade. They gave up the best asset and an additional draft pick in order to get what pick, I think it was like 24 or pick 30 last year. I think 24 it was. So no idea about how to, how to manage assets. Maybe that's why they've been as shit as they have been over the past nine years. But to trade a pick that you know is in the first half of the or in the middle of the first round and getting back a worse pick while also adding in another draft pick is nonsense. But they've traded that one away. And then for next year's draft, they were supposed to get the first pick in the second round. So yeah, pick 19 outside of the, the ridiculous compo pick. So around that selection. But now the AFL's come out and said, well, actually, we know that you guys sucked. Um, so we gave you these picks, 
but now maybe you're a little bit better than we thought you were. So now we don't know if you're going to get that extra pick next year. We haven't taken it off you, but at this point you can't trade it and you're you're banned from dealing with that pick. And you might not be able to make it, but we haven't made up our minds because we think you're a little bit better than you should have been, which was literally the point of giving them these picks. So they got better and then they got better and they took them away. Just in the end, the result's probably right if they do take it away because they probably shouldn't have got the priority pick to begin with. But can this league stop tripping over their own dick for five minutes and just work out a system that makes sense? Uh, the short answer is no. Uh, but I will say this. When this came out yesterday, I saw the headlines and I was it was very misleading the, the headline way this was misleading. reported. Yep. And, and it wasn't just one media outlet. All the media outlets, including, by the way, the AFL website did not do a good job <laughs> of highlighting what the actual problem was here. When you say... I'm gonna sl- I'm gonna slap a ban on a club from trading a draft pick. It's like okay, this sounds like some sort of penalty, some sort of suspension. That's not the case, as you sort of pointed out there. It's, it's they probably shouldn't have got an AFL handed to them, but they haven't actually got in their possession yet. But they were allowed to trade the 2021. But now you probably can't trade the 2021 because you're better than we thought. So again, this is just a situation as you sort of pointed to, where the and and we can I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's not that hard. Like, I'm I, since I got back from America, I'm freelancing. Like, the AFL should just hire me, and I, I can fix the system yeah, very quickly. And it, but it has to be, it has to start all again. It has to start from scratch. And you can't be handing out extra picks years and years in advance in a in a league and in a professional league where you can have the ability to draft higher, to trade into the draft, to bolster your team within the space of twelve months. Why are you even handing out free draft picks? three years in advance of the time anyway like it's just it's just really really dumb like i don't know i don't know where they come up with these ideas like because it doesn't make sense at the time it almost always makes them look ridiculous down the line i i I don't know i just don't know what they're trying to achieve and it, it just doesn't seem that hard to me i don't know it seems very very simple it, it does. Now, I don't mind the you know the concessions they gave to Gold Coast with the expanded list and the academy powers. And, uh, sure. That's, that's okay. I, I get that part of it. The draft pick thing is ridiculous. Giving them pick one and two last year was was ludicrous. And this article I'm reading here on, uh, on Fox Sports, this is how it's phrased. And, and it probably comes from the AFL to a degree. It says, in a statement released by AFL headquarters, the league said that the last of those concessions was not able to be traded this year and is under review after the Suns' breakout season. They were five. They won five games and lost eleven. Now that that's is, why it's too reactionary. Everything is reactionary. Last year they got the picks because obviously they were bad. They've been bad for an extended period of time. But also you get the sense that the and this is why the AFL is is too that the league includes itself in the running of the teams too much. And we know that there's handouts and there's all these different things that help teams stay afloat. This isn't this isn't the NBA. This isn't the English Premier League, where these teams have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, I understand that. The league has to be involved in some level. But this was the AFL saying, well, shit, we really want football to work in Queensland. This team is really not good. No one's really going to watch them play. What are we going to do? Let's give them the number one draft pick. It's like, it's like, what are we... It's, it, it's uh, honestly, everyone talks about the integrity of the league, but that is just messing with the integrity of the league. Yeah, it is. And it's inventing these draft picks as well is is crazy and it's it's a similar sort of thing and you talk about yeah the the stress of Gold Coast and them not being good and you know my issue with compo picks but originally it was planned that yeah Brad Crouch if he's going to go somewhere get a five-year $800,000 deal maybe the Crows would then get a compo pick of pick two you know what that does it makes every other team push down further so the Suns 
who are going to have pick five, they move down to pick six, and that impacts them as well. So not, all of these things have, have an impact because they just don't know how to manage this sort of stuff. And it is wild that they would you know, make this decision a year ago, go back on it now. Like, What would they have done if the Suns hadn't have traded that uh, pick 11 it ended up being to Geelong this year? Would they have put a ban on trading that one? because they had a breakout season winning five games and finishing 14th would that have gone away look just make a decision try and make the correct one but why are we going back and forth and the other thing is teams don't even know how many players are going to be on their list yet they don't know what the salary cap is and i understand there's you know concerns and it's a unique scenario with covid and all that sort of stuff but we're talking two and a bit weeks away from trade period starting and teams don't know how many players they can have and how they can get players or anything. They just don't know how it's all working at this point. Yeah, very close. Only a couple of weeks away uh, from trade period there, and it would be very hard to do your planning when you have no idea how many players you're going to have, how much money you can spend. It's difficult. Clearly, clearly it's been a, a difficult season, and, and perhaps you know, when we, when we think about this, maybe the best option for the AFL would have been, and no one wants to delay the 2021 season. And to be honest, maybe there isn't necessarily a need to delay the 2021 season, but I would have thought that given where we sit right now, they might have been better off just moving everything back uh, another month because we're still two weeks out from the season finishing and having the trade period the week after the AFL grand final this year just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. It seems like there was just, there's just too much going on. There's too much for the league to figure out. And maybe they would have been better off just pushing everything back a month or so. Yeah, that's true. I also, yeah, the, the trade period is such a weird thing given the fact that it is so small. Like It's not like a you know, transfer window in uh, you know, European football where it's you know, two or three months. We're talking about, what, two weeks? It's not like an NBA trade period, which is seven months. Everything gets squished into a week and a half, and then everything gets squished into an hour before the deadline, pretty much. So I don't understand why they negotiate right down to this. And I think they negotiate right down to that deadline because they have got such a limited time to make deals and sign players. So we don't have this extended period of time, although most of this stuff could be rearranged or, or pre-arranged. It's a, it's weird the way it all gets done uh, through the AFL. We get like one move and then two moves and then everything happens at this deadline you know, versus a regular off-season in most most other sports where things you know, happen on a you know a more regular flow sort of basis. So there are a lot of things that are weird about that. So that, yeah, again, they could have just pushed it back uh, and pushed it back to around maybe the draft time as well which is uh, usually mid-November. That could have happened around that period there as well. I understand the idea of, you know, you want this stuff sorted so that players can get in for preseason and that sort of thing. So that's probably a part of it. But um, given the season is later as it is now, maybe you do just want to push it back a little bit. But another free agency move that potentially could be happening here is Isaac Smith. We talked about him the other day. Looks like Kane. You're going to be surprised. It's not North Melbourne. It's not Carlton. But the other um, free agent... Um, how should we say, Hawes, Geelong, are, 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 in, uh, are in play here for Isaac Smith. Yeah, a bit of a shocker. I don't think the Cats and the Hawks have had too many uh, trades between them over the last 10, 15 years where they've had this rivalry, but I'm a little bit surprised by Isaac Smith. But again, I, I think we spoke about him the other day. I, I don't. I thought that, and I didn't think Geelong was going to be the team. I was talking you know, for a Melbourne or you know, whoever it may be, maybe Carlton, who knows. But I do think that Smith is a player that has a couple of good years playing on the wing left in him. I thought when he was able to stay fit, and he had some shoulder problems. It's not like he had knee or ankle or leg leg issues, so I don't think he had any any problems covering the ground. 
I think Smith's still got some pretty good footy left in him on a good team. Uh, yes, shocked that the Cats would do a deal with the Hawks, so I still kind of don't expect that that would happen. Melbourne's the other team in the mix there, along with uh, Hawthorne still to retain his services. But let's talk Geelong, because we do have a an, another final to look at, and that is, of course, Brisbane and the Cats uh, on Saturday. Kane, um, we know what happened in that game, or... Well, we know, maybe not everyone else remembers, it was a game that was pretty tight. Brisbane had the ascendancy early, could not convert, and then Geelong in the third quarter put the foot down and uh, and ended the game effectively in that game, or in that quarter through a big Paddy Dangerfield quarter. But it could have been really, really different had Brisbane really taken advantage of their dominance in the second quarter, in particular where Neil and Zorko were really putting the foot to them. They just could not finish outside of Neil's ridiculous goal from the boundary. Different location, obviously. Now Gabba with their home fans, not quite the same as Port, but very different to playing at the SCG. We don't have the the teams at, at this point. We don't expect many, if any, changes in this one. How much are we taking out of that uh, that game back in Sydney earlier in the year? Well, I think the big thing you take from it is the clearances and how important it's going to be to decide in this game. I mean, I would go as far as to say whoever wins the clearances is going to win this game. The Cats, 13-1. and one. When they win the clearances this season, one and four when they lose the clearances. Now, you've got two of the top three clearance teams in the AFL. So you've got two teams that are really, really damn good at this, and it's the area that can boost them. I saw a stat last night. This is one of those numbers that we don't necessarily have access to, but um, a champion data has them out there. At Geelong, a rank last in the AFL for points scored against from the center bounce. Brisbane ranked second in the AFL for scoring from the center bounce. So this was a number that was spoken about a lot prior to the Geelong-Brisbane game at the start of the year. But again, it just highlights how important, particularly uh, not so much around the stoppages around the ground, but particularly in the center bounce, how important it's going to be for the Cats in particular, I feel, to win it out of the middle. Because if they don't, we've seen the 6-6-6 rule does leave their back line a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, and these are team, teams that do it a little bit differently. Geelong has ten, the, the bigger, stronger bodies in the middle and uh, are really, really strong at getting those clearances out, while Brisbane, quite a small midfield with Neil and um, uh, the other guy, Zorko, you know, under 180 centimetres. Jared Lyons is, is not a big guy. That they sort of eschewing the recent trend for the bigger midfielders. Doesn't mean they're not winning clearances, because they are, but they're, they are much lower in terms of contest, contested possession differential, where Geelong leads the league and Brisbane's right on basically neutral in that area. So that's an area where Geelong can get an ascendancy there. The other thing is, we talked about it with Richmond and um, Port in terms of defending bigs and defending smalls. This is a little bit of a different scenario because we've got Hipwood and McStay up up forward for Brisbane, but a lot of their their goals and their players are, are quite small, and they get a lot of goals from from the smaller guys. And that's going to be an interesting thing, whether they can... Get those smaller guys to take advantage of, you know, maybe with you know, Harry Taylor as the bigger player, a little bit older, maybe not as mobile. O'Connor's not that short. You know, did that, do Geelong have the smaller defenders to go with that uh, yeah, potentially dynamic Brisbane uh, small man brigade? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I would expect probably Jed Buse will play on Charlie Cameron. Uh, Colin Jazdy is that guy that can sort of go tall or small. Mark O'Connor as you mentioned as well. And I, I guess, you know, Zach Tui's kind of become a swingman for the Cats. He plays on the wing a lot, can go forward, can go back. So another option there as well. Although uh, I think the the first three I mentioned are probably more likely. But there's no question. The Cats at times have been vulnerable to small forwards. We saw, uh, let's say Shannon Motlop. We saw Stephen Motlop in the first final kick three goals. And uh, I mentioned him as my X-Factor going into that game. And last 
week uh, Jamie Elliott for that reason because I do think the Cats are a little bit vulnerable to small forwards. Charlie Cameron, the way he's played has changed a little bit this year. When you saw him play last year, he really tore the Cats apart in the game that Brisbane won by one point, I think at the Gabba towards the end of the home and away season. But that was when Charlie Cameron was almost playing one out as a forward and all the pressure was on the Cats' defense one-on-one to match up with Charlie Cameron. They've gone away from that. I think the Cats will be very much happy about that because that's when they're under their most pressure. And that's why Geelong struggle with the 6-6-6 rule because if you can isolate the Geelong defenders one-on-one, you give yourself a really damn good chance to score. How do you feel about uh, former old mate of yours, Lincoln McCarthy? Yeah, he's had a, a really yeah. strong season. Another one of those smaller forwards who's popping up and have, getting shots at goal. Yeah, you've got Cam Rayner, who's had uh, moments this season as well. Wasn't quite uh, as uh, interested in, in, uh, in getting touches against Richmond. He only had five of them in that one. But yeah, him and then you've got guys like McCluggage and Zorko and Neil. And these guys push forward. And they're not always accurate, but they're pushing forward and they're having lots of shots at goal. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of small players there to try and read off Hipwood and read off McStay. In that uh, in that smaller type scenario, and they've got and well, Geelong gets a lot of their goals from big guys, with Hawkins obviously being that number one goal kicker in the AFL. But yeah, how, how do you think the Andrews Hawkins matchup looks? Because Brisbane have got the, the the guys to handle some of those bigger forwards. Yeah, I like. I mean, I <laughs> I like Hawkins one on one against anyone. So <laughs> the the question will be for Brisbane, as is always the case, can they get numbers back to support Tom Hawkins? I think. Geelong have done all year such a great job of spreading out their forward 50, getting their all their other forwards outside of Hawkins up the ground and allowing Hawkins to play one-on-one against the opposition key defender. So if Hawkins can get one-on-one with Andrews, then I, I like the matchup for Tom Hawkins. I mean, he's just such a difficult guy in one-on-one marking contest to slow down. We saw last week... Uh, Harris Andrews, or a couple of weeks ago, I should say, Harris Andrews, coming back off the hamstring, by the way, who what we were pretty concerned about, his ability to fly in the air, spoil the ball, get back out, uh, get back in support was unbelievable. And remember, that was without Tom Lynch, though. So for the Cats, as is always the case up forward, I, I think the, the key is not only Hawkins, but it's Gary Rowan, it's the small forwards. How, how are they able to have an impact on the game? Because if they're getting dangerous and they're getting creative and they're getting their hands on the ball, it just makes it so much more difficult for Brisbane to, to peel back and help out Andrews on Hawkins. It is good. It's look. It is super. Which game are you looking forward to the most? Obviously, as a Geelong fan, you want to see Geelong. But in terms of quality of game, game of the year candidates, which game do you think is is up there? I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more interested in watching this one. Yeah, look, uh, you sort of pointed to it. I'm probably the wrong guy to ask, but I, I will say, from a, I mean, we all we all know this. Everyone listening knows that when your team's in the finals, there's a level of stress oh, involved yeah. with watching the game. So, in terms of like, what game am I looking uh, forward to? Sitting back on the couch, cracking a few beers, and just relaxing. Port Richmond for sure, because I think it's going to be a bruising contest. And I, I do think I've said this not to disrespect the Brisbane crowd at all, but. The Port Adelaide fans, they're on another level. So I just think the the intensity, the atmosphere tonight is just going to be it's just going to be off the charts. So I, I think I was trying to think about this. I don't know whether I can remember, and maybe this is just me living in the moment right now. But I, I just I don't know if I can remember a couple of prelims like this where I think the potential to have two absolute epic games is so high. Like I, I just I love the matchups. I love that we got these four teams in the prelim finals. I, I anything could happen. Literally any t- any combination for the grand final could occur. 
I, I can give you a tip, but I really don't know what's going to happen. I'll give you a tip. I think Brisbane is going to win, unfortunately for you, Kane. But any com- any any yeah, I am any any combination of these results across the weekend would not surprise me in the slightest. Really seem evenly matched and yeah, could lead to evenly matched grand finals. We hope as well. I can't wait, but uh, there is something I, I've just. This is not related to this game, but we, I know we've already had Trelaw update. There's another Trelaw update that's just come through. Can you believe it? That yes, Adam, okay. Adam Trelaw has uh, foxfooty.com and au has un- understands that Trelaw's conversations with the club have uh, left him incredibly frustrated, and he is convinced that Collingwood wants him gone. He does not want to leave, but he believes the club is looking to get rid of him, and he will only leave if they are. He is told he is not wanted, but he also has said he will refuse a move to Queensland and would and would only begrudgingly consider a move to another Victorian team. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what I sort of hinted at earlier that I, this is the feeling that I got. If Adam Tullow is not at Collingwood, it's not going to be because of his his choice. I mean, he couldn't have been any more clear the other night. So uh, while it's been strange that these reports have continued to come out. This was the only really answer that I could come up with that Trelaw, yeah, he wants to stay Collingwood. He made that, I mean, if I was him, I would be pissed off because he's been made to look like an idiot now because yeah. he came out and was completely adamant that he wanted to stay at Collingwood. He was 100% certain. He was actually getting pissed off with the, the guys asking the questions because he was like, listen, I, I came here to play for Collingwood. So if he was ever going to leave, yeah, it's it wouldn't be his choice. So he, I would understand why he would have every right to, to be feeling a little bit angry. And uh, I guess, as with all players that potentially uh, could be traded, I guess we'll just wait to see when Geelong get involved. Well, I was just going to say, the only question left to to ask now is, is it going to be Geelong or Carlton, who, uh, <laughs> whose name gets out first as to who the Victorian club that he's linked yeah. to? But that'll do it for us today. We are pumped for the footy tonight, for the footy tomorrow. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow, not tomorrow, we'll be back on Monday to break that all down. And then uh, it's the Brownlow medal that we've got to talk about next week as well, as well as moving into the grand final, Kane. It's exciting times. Good luck to Geelong and uh, and you and all your nervous energy. Uh, thank you. And Brownlow is actually Sunday, so I guess I should just say this. Uh, is oh, anyone yeah. beating Lockie Neal before we wrap this up? Nope, he is, they are not. Lockie Neal is winning that pretty comfortably. Well, he'll, he'll, he'll get something out of the weekend then, so that's good for him. <laughs> Guys, subscribe <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review as well. Guys, today I'm going to leave you with a shout-out to Todd Ridley. <laughs>